I come before your throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help me now the time of need. Abba Father, I bless you. Abba Father, I worship you. Abba Father, I honor you. Thank you in the name of Jesus. I commit my spirit unto you, Abba Father. For the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. Your spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. As many as are led by your spirit, they are sons of God. I have not received the spirit of bondage to fear again, but I have received the spirit of adoption whereby I cry, Abba Father, Abba Father, I worship you. Abba Father, I bless you. Abba Father, I honor you in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are the bishop of my soul. You are the author and finisher of my faith. Who for the joy that was set before you endured the cross, despising the shame. Lord Jesus, I commit my mind unto you. Let this mind be in me, which was in Christ Jesus. Who did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. Abba Father, you have highly exalted the name of Jesus and given him a name that is above every name. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of things being in heaven, of things being on earth, of things being under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that you are Lord. Lord Jesus, I commit my will unto you. Let your will be done in my life. This is the confidence that I have in you. That if I ask anything according to your will, you answer me. Thank you, Lord. Let your will be done in my life, in my family, in our nation, Nigeria. Lord Jesus, I commit my emotion unto you. I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my might. Holy Spirit, I commit my body unto you. For my body is the temple of the living God. I refuse to yield my members to be instruments of unrighteousness to sin. But I yield my members to exhibit righteousness. Be my eyes as I see. I walk by faith and not by sight. I will not judge by what I see. Be my ears as I listen. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I will not decide by what I hear, but I will be guided by your spirit in all my decisions. Be in my mouth as I speak, for the power of life and death lies in my tongue. Every word that will proceed out of my mouth from now, O oh Lord, let it minister grace and edification to the hearers. My belly will not be my God. I know how to possess my vessel in holiness, in righteousness and sanctification. Be my feet as I walk. You are the one that ordereth the steps of the righteous. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, this week, as I walk, as I go out, lead me, direct me, in the name of Jesus. Be in my hands as I work. Oh Lord, my hands signifies my work, my ministry, my gifts, my talent. Oh Lord, strengthen me in the name of Jesus. I take heed to the ministry that you give to me. And by your grace, I will fulfill it in the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, Holy Spirit, thank you for the capacity I have in me. The capacity to receive. The ability to receive. Ability to absorb. Ability to retain. Ability to re reproduce. Wisdom. Knowledge. Understanding. Oh Lord, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your seven spirits upon my life. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord and of the delight of the Lord. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, great Jehovah. Thank you, awesome God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Amen. Touch your neighbor, say neighbor. You are blessed. God will do for you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in you. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, are you preparing? Are you getting ready? Are you getting ready? Are you preparing to meet with your God? Neighbor, make sure you are preparing. Make sure you are preparing. Hallelujah. Amen. Today, I've been given an opportunity to bring the word to us this morning. The topic of the message this morning says, What manner of persons ought we to be? What manner of persons ought we to be? Let's go to Second Peter chapter 3 verse 11. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 11. The Bible says there, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Ask yourself this question. What manner of person am I? Can you ask yourself, what manner of person am I? Ask your neighbor, what manner of person are you? Then turn to the other people around you. Ask them, what manner of persons are we? Touch, to, touch another neighbor. Say, what manner of person ought we to be now? That's the question that Apostle Peter is asking us this morning. And as we continue, as we proceed, 
and this team for the year prepare to meet thy God. We also know that today has been dedicated for the student nurses and midwives. I want to ask the midwives and the student nurses and midwives, do you know that you are, you are in the Bible? You know you are in the Bible? Alright. I want to read some couple of scriptures and remind you of who you are. If you go to Genesis chapter 35 verse 17, it says, Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor, that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. Genesis 38 verse 28 says, And so it was when she was giving birth, that the one put out his hand, and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand, saying this one came out first. If you go to Exodus chapter 2 verse 7, it says, Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? Verse 9 of Exodus chapter 2 says, Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me. And I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child, took the child and nursed him. Let's go to Exodus chapter 1 verse 17. Exodus chapter 1 verse 17. The Bible says there, But the midwives feared God. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt with, dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. Verse uh, 21. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So that's where you are in the Bible. Hallelujah. There are two Hebrew words for nurse. One is called Yanak. And Yanak means foster father or foster mother. If you go to Isaiah chapter 49 verse 23, it talks about king, kings shall become your foster fathers. And the queen, the queen shall also nurse you. But that's not your own. The second meaning of nurse is Aman. A-M-E. A-N. It means to support. It means to support. So, if you read Exodus chapter 17, verse 10 to 12, you will see that 
There was a battle between the Amalekites and the, the, the Israelites. And this war strategy was that when Moses raises his hands, the children of Israel will, will begin to prevail. But when he puts down his hand, the children of Israel will begin to slack. And so, two, ma- two men saw it, Aaron and who? And they said, if we, if we leave this, Israel will, will lose. So they brought a stone and, and kept it on the hill and made Moses to sit down. And both of them raised the hand of Moses, supporting his hand until Israel prevailed in that battle. So your duty in the hospital is to support. And I celebrate the nurses, I celebrate the midwives who are here and both the students as they teach you, understand that you are there to provide support. Support to the doctors. You are special to doctors. Doctors can't do without you. And you can't do without doctors. Hallelujah. Am I making a point here? Alright. Now, you are to be faithful. You are to be faithful. That's the second meaning. You are to also nourish. You are to nourish. You are to take care of the patients. Especially those that are going for operation. You must make sure. Take care of them. Check their VPs. Check everything. Make sure that they are ready for, for surgery before they go into the theater. Praise the Lord. Having said that, I pray that the Lord will continue to strengthen you and empower you as you go through your studies. And may you excel in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. What is godliness? Remember in Second Peter chapter, chapter 3 verse 11. Let's get back to that place again. It says, therefore since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Holy conduct and godliness. What does godliness mean? To myself, godliness is taking God seriously. The heartbeat of the godly person is the desire to respect and reverence the things of God. The desire to do what? To respect and to reverence the things of God. This does not mean they are serious-minded all the time. They enjoy life because they enjoy the creator of life. There is no account, there is an account in the Old Testament of people who fail to take God seriously. These ancient Hebrews had escaped the slavery and punishment of the Egyptians. On their journey home to Israel, they witnessed the miracle of God parting the water at the Red Sea. That brought doom to their Egyptian pursuers. These people had everything. God guided them with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God delivered them through the Red Sea. God's leader, Moses, was out in the front of them. God provided nourishment with manna from heaven and water from the rock. They were surrounded by unparalleled privileges. God's presence was constant. His workings were evident. They had been given a heritage of godliness. In fact, one would think that these people would be 
the epitome of godliness. But they were not. Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. But God was not pleased. God was not pleased with most of them. For they were struck down with, struck down in the desert. As they journeyed from Egypt, they played games with their lives and with God. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, may you not play a game with your life. I didn't hear you. Tell your neighbor, may you not play a game with your life. Go to another person and say, may you not play a game with your life. There was this young man. I went to my, uh, my printer in February this year to print a flyer and I stumbled into to a, a poster and I looked at it and I recognized the, the obituary age 27 and I shouted the people in the printing workshop said ah, pastor why are you shouting I said I know this young man and I, I started weeping I started crying because 2016 I ministered to him. I shared the word to him. Why I, was, why I started crying was they told me how he died. Christmas. It was Christmas. Somebody one knockout. Two knockout. They exploded. And he died. Young man died. People play games with their lives. Are you here? You are playing games with your life. It's very dangerous. What happened to these potential saints? I'm talking about those Jews in the wilderness. What caused their demise? In First Corinthians chapter 10 verse, 5, verse 7, Apostle Paul says, don't become idolaters as some of them were as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to play. It was like a fraternity. The people lacked a reverence and awe of God. They became nonchalant in their values. They forgot their heritage. Apathy ran rampant. They did not mean business with God. Their relationship, the relationship with, the, with Him became a farce. I want to ask us a question again. How do you know if you are godly? How do I know that I'm godly? Let me rephrase it. How do you know if you are taking God seriously? Are you taking God seriously? Or, let me further rephrase it again. How do you know if you are radiating the aura of godliness? People who take God seriously, number one, they thirst for God. That's the first thing. They are thirsty for God. If we want to be godly, we must long for God. David was a man who vividly expressed his longing for God. 
And then he said in Psalm 42 verse 1 and 2, As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for you. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? It was that same David that said in Psalm 122 verse 1, he said, I was glad. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. I remember some years back, when I was living with my parents, some days I would decide I won't feel like going to church. I won't feel like going to church. And then you see, you see some of us, some of my siblings, and they will start dodging. Our father will begin to call us. Ah, can I? Okay, let's go, let's go. And we'll be dragging our feet. But look at David. Bible says that I was glad. Whenever they, whenever I hear, it's not just about going to the house of God. Even the place where you have devotion. You have that, that time you usually come out. Do you go there on a daily basis? Some of us are weak in that area. It's not just about the house of God. I'm talking about that place of fellowship, that place of communion you usually go. That place that whenever you come, you are comfortable to sit and worship your God that time. When last did you do that? When last did you commune with the Lord that way? There was something that David said in Psalm 63. Psalm 63 verse 1 to 3. Psalm 63 verse 1 to 3. That was when Absalom, Absalom was chasing him. And even though Absalom was chasing him, he was in the wilderness, Kidron, but this man began to seek God. He said, Oh God, you are my God. Only will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, so I have looked for you in a sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness, your loving kindness is better than life. Your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus will I praise you. I will lift up my voice unto the Lord. Let's go back to that Psalm 42 verse 1 and 2. As the deer longs for the streams of water. Every morning the deer will pant. Early in the morning he will pant. He's, he wants to go and drink water before he moves. Because he, know, he, he knows that. Let me tell us. The deer knows that if it will survive the, the day, it must be ready to run faster than the fastest lion. So early in the morning, the deer goes to the stream to drink and gets ready. 
And as it's, it's drinking, it's getting ready because it, it knows that the lion will come. So that deer knows. He says, for me to survive today, I must be ready to run faster than the fastest lion. And also the lion will say, for me not to starve, to go hungry, I must be ready to run faster than the slowest deer. In the pursuit of godliness, it's not enough to simply wake up. We are called to run. We are called to, to run. We are called to become like Christ. We are called to press ahead to godliness. To run, to become like Christ, to press ahead to godliness. Godliness doesn't come by sitting passively, by waiting for it to drop in your lap. It requires hard work, enduring perseverance, and a continued effort. In a manner of speaking, you have to run for it with everything you've got. A godly person is content in his relationship with God, but never satisfied with the present experience. He's content with God. He doesn't want to mix God with any other thing. He's content. He's not ready to do any other thing apart from worshipping his God. But he's not satisfied. That godly person is not satisfied with the experience he has. He wants to go further. They are always yearning for more. As the person sitting by your side, are you pursuing God? I didn't hear you. People who take God seriously, number two, focus on God. People who take God seriously, number two, focus on God. The pursuer of godliness focuses attention on God in all things. The trouble and tragedy of the modern man, the man of today, is that we tend to divert our focus away from God. We are too time conscious nowadays when we come to church. We want to stereotype God, box God, put God in a place. I'm looking forward to a time when we come to church and the Holy Spirit will not release us. You will know. I remember Benny Hinn. That was about seven years ago. He shared a testimony of what happened in his church. He said the Holy Spirit was warning him. You are timing me too much. Allow me to flow. Let me bless my people. And he agreed. One Sunday they came to church. They came by seven in the morning. They did not leave the service until about 6 a.m. 6 p.m. in the evening. Holy Spirit took complete control. Today the modern man is so busy. The modern man wants to close the service one hour. One hour. And they advertise it. We just come to church one hour. We are go. Stereotypes. I am an Anglican church. Because you want to get people, people have, people want to end. Hey, okay, finish here. 45 minutes. And you begin to wonder, what will you get under 45 minutes?
it is quite possible to become an idolater. An idol is anything that draws our attention and adoration away from God. You don't need to go to the village and begin to worship any, any, any shrine. No. But anything that draws your attention away from and adoration from, away from God is an idol. Is it your business? Is it your work? Is it your son? Check it. Hallelujah. Godliness is an exercise or discipline that focuses upon God. What are you doing to focus on God? Have you allowed the cares and worries of the world to blow your vision of God? Question. What activities are you performing to keep yourself spiritually fit? What activities? Remember, people who take God seriously. Number one, thirst for God. Number two, focus on God. Number three, worship God. They worship God. Worship enables us to properly acknowledge God. I want to repeat again. Worship enables us to properly acknowledge God. We see Him as He is. Majestic and sovereign. And we see ourselves as we are. Finite and helpless. If you go to Genesis chapter 4 verse 26, the Bible says that Seth gave birth to a son and he called him Enosh. What's the meaning of Enosh? Enosh means helpless, imperfection, limitations. And men, Seth and Co, that dwelt within that time in Genesis chapter 4 verse 26, they saw their imperfections. They saw their weaknesses. They saw their helplessness. They saw that they cannot go far without God. And so they began to seek God. They began to worship God. They began to call upon God because they knew that it's only God that will see them through. In these last days, you need God. Tell your neighbor, you need God. I didn't hear you. Tell your neighbor, you need God. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you need God. The godly person removes himself from the center of his world. And put God in his proper place. You put, you, you put yourself, remove yourself from the center of your world. You are not the center of your world. You can't be the center of your world. Who tells you that you are the center of your world? It is God that is the center of your world. When I look at this woman, the last time she won the Grand Slam, Serena Williams, she picked up the microphone and was the first thing she said, I give God all the glory for the success. It is God that made it for me. She put God in the center of her success. Of in the center of her glory. She put God in the center of her life. Praise the Lord. Reverence of God will regulate our conduct. Reverence of God will regulate our conduct. What or whom you worship determines your behavior. What or whom you worship determines your behavior. If you are a person, if, you, if a person worships football, their conduct and behavior is consumed with the sport. Can I repeat again? If a person worships football, you don't know. You are a Christian. 
What you are in, our, in the group of those people that say Chelsea for life. The blues. Man you for life. Arsenal for life. The Gunners. And we are in the, we're in the social media. We see what they write. You take time to write, I'm Arsenal for life. I'm Baka, Baka for life. And I ask you, will you be able to say, Jesus for life? Jesus for life. If a person worships football, his conduct or her conduct and behavior is consumed with the sport. I remember that time that I was consumed with Chelsea. Last Monday, my son saw me and said, I was surprised that I was watching Chelsea versus Man U, FA Cup quarterfinals. Because he knew that I don't usually watch Chelsea again. I can chase now about ball. He got the ten stop until I was a ball. And chase now about ball. But you do Hana, I can make a toilet to go seven or eight times. So I will keep the water. I'll be drinking and drinking and drinking water. And then I'll be going, I'll be dashing to the toilet. If they score one goal, you will be there. Just kill off this game. Just kill this game. They are not ready to kill the game. So I stopped watching it. But before I start, I stopped watching it. The Holy Spirit began to speak to me. You are spending time. You are spending more time. I remember the year that Chelsea lost the Champions League final with my U in Moscow. That night I didn't sleep. I'm reporting myself. Or the year that Chelsea won the Champions League final. Oh Jesus. The moment Bayern Munich scored, scored the first goal, I told my son, I'm not watching again. Let me go and pray. I'm, let me just go and worship God. I wasn't worshiping God. I was deceiving myself. I knew I was deceiving myself. I locked the door. Until my son shouted, Go! Daddy, they scored! When it was time for penalty, I couldn't face it. I couldn't face it. And then God began to speak to me. Look at it. See you. Spending time with frivolous things. Mundane issues. The people that you are dying for, they don't even know you exist. They don't know you exist. I remember one sister, two years ago, wrote something. After Serena Williams won the Grand Slam and then Messi won the Ballon d'Or. And people were no, talking about Messi. The difference between Messi and Ronaldo. The dissidents and so on. And this woman no, wrote and said, We are busy here talking about champions. We are busy here on Facebook putting our selfies. You buy a new shoe, you snap. You buy a new car, you snap. And then somebody is worshipping God. He brings out, he or she brings out his uh, telephone and he's worshipping God and raising his hand like this and uh, are you listening yourself? Are you really worshipping God? Do you call that worship? If a person 
worships money, they are drawn to accumulate as much as possible. If a person worships God, they seek to know Him and live obediently to His principles. Ask the person seated by your side, who are you worshipping? Say it louder. Turn to the next neighbor. Say, who are you worshipping? Alright. People who take God seriously, number four, as I begin to close. They serve God. They serve, no, they serve other people. They serve other people. Godly people don't bicker and complain about what's happening to them. Instead, they have found the joy of service. They found the joy of service. The quickest way to not dwell on personal misfortune is to get involved with those who are less fortunate than you are. In doing so, you will discover that you are better off than most people. The godly individual not only gives God his due, not only gives God his due, he's all, he's also, he also serves his fellow man and gives him his due. Someone said, some people are so heavenly minded, they are no earthly good. Some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. But I believe that is only when people are heavenly minded that they can be of any, any earthly good. As we invest time with God, He will guide us to serve others. Godly people know that service is an outgrowth of worship. Service is an outgrowth of worship. The best evidence of godliness is not the monk who lives in the monastery, secluded from people. It is the person who lives a godly life in the midst of crying children, in the midst of busy schedule, in the midst of foul-mouthed workers. You experience foul-mouthed workers and yet you are still godly. Negative words don't escape out of your mouth. You are still patient with those people. So it's not that monk who is in the monastery. A godly person is that person who moves with people, lives amongst people, is ready to absorb the pressures of life and yet still remain focused. Ask your neighbor again, who are you serving? Let me ask us. People who take God seriously, they do four things. What are those four things? Number one. They, what, what, they do what? They test for God. Number two. 
They focus on God. Number three, they worship God. And number four, they serve other people. Can we bow down our heads? Begin to thank God for the word you've heard. Begin to thank God for the word you've heard. People who take God seriously. They must be ready to thirst for God. They must be focused. There are those that worship God in spirit and in truth. And there are those that are ready to serve other people. Father, strengthen us. Grant us grace to run this race and to finish it well in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray this prayer. Say after me, Heavenly Father, Thank you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me. Christ with me. Christ for me. Because you are for me, no one can be against me. For me to live is Christ. In Christ I live. In Christ I move. In Christ I have my being. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. He that is above is above all. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than my ways and your thoughts higher than my thoughts. Christ in my going out. Christ in my coming in. Christ as I lie down to sleep. Christ as I wake up. Christ in every eye that will see me this week. Christ in every ear that will hear me this week. Christ in my family. Christ every minute. Christ every second. Christ every hour. Christ every day. Christ every night. Christ every week. Christ every month in the year 2017. And many, many more years. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Christ in my nation. Christ in my church. Christ in the body of Christ. In this I believe and affirm that it is true. Thank you, Abba Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.